Well, I have the privilege of uh, sharing with you tonight from Isaiah chapter 7. If you want to turn there with me, Isaiah 7:14 that Brad um, mentioned uh, for us this morning. And um, I want to read that for us, and then we will discuss briefly. Isaiah 7, verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. When we are lost, we need signs that point us home. Um, Maybe more specifically, we need signs that direct us to the one who leads us home to himself. Decades ago, I remember being lost in the Amazon jungle uh, in Venezuela. I was uh, a missionary kid and hunted there, usually with the Yanomamu people, in Venezuela or Brazil, but in this particular instance, I decided as a junior in high school to go off by myself. And there was a place where you could walk out to a convergence of trails outside the community, and from that point, you would choose a trail to follow. Now, the convergence point was very clearly designated marked, not with a road sign, as you might imagine, but we could distinguish it. And then as you walked further into the jungle, you had to find your way into those signs around you, and the signs would become dimmer and dimmer, and you would be needing to be careful not to get lost. Well, in this particular instance, I had the privilege of getting lost. Uh, I had a friend who did that another time for two or three days, and he was out without food matches for a long time. He came back looking a bit rough before the tribal community found him. So in my case, I had walked for six hours I had found a bird to hunt, I'll I'll just leave it there, shot the bird, turned around and was trying to follow my own machete signs back and discovered that I was lost. Now in that moment, you you try very hard not to panic because we, we are talking about hundreds and hundreds of miles of nothing but jungle. You look at the sun you, you go slowly, you try to find your last mark or sign, and then you try to find your way from that sign to the next sign and carefully and painstakingly make your way back to that most significant point, which is that convergence of signs. And um, the stakes do f- tend to be fairly high in the Amazon basin. They can sometimes be life or death kinds of stakes. And so at twilight, after 13 hours of walking and praying, and I can tell you that's a true prayer walk, Um, (laughs) that I stumbled back into that sign, that convergence point that I was looking for, and I can't tell you, share with you what a relief that was to me. And I tell you, though, in comparison to that, throughout the Old Testament, we see evidences that Yahweh gave his people signs that oriented them as his followers and now us as his people, to the Messiah who would come and rescue us as his lost ones. 735 years before the coming of the Messiah, the long-awaited convergence of all the biblical and prophetic signs. Isaiah the prophet speaks these words to Ahaz the king. Now Ahaz is the twelfth king in the line of David, the messianic line from David. He's one who should have traced his history, his life signs, and his lifeline back to the heritage and hope of the Messiah. He should have known. 
he should have realized that he was part of the Davidic covenant, the messianic line of eternal promise and kingship, one who would come and deliver his people that would provide rescue and rest for them. But hearing of a plan to overthrow him, in verse 2 here in chapter 7, says that Ahaz's heart shook with fear. He lost sight of God's messianic promise to David and his own faith responsibility as a shepherd for God's people. God urged Ahaz not to ally with uh, Assyria, not to align his sufficiencies, his ambitions, his hopes with that Assyrian world. And yet Ahab turned away from faith, from repentance, from dependence, from humility. And instead of trusting in that sign God was giving to him, he plunged the line of messianic promise into a quagmire of compromise with the religious system and the irreligious system that was idolatrous Assyria. The house of David, here's an irony for you, the house of David plundered the house of Yahweh in a subjugation to a world system that Assyria represented. And so Ahaz then, in the process of that, he subjugated the collective souls of the people of God to that very idolatry as their leader. And that became the downward spiral point for the nation. That became the hinge point for the, the digression and the future oppression of the nation of Judah. So we think about the external realities of that. We start to see compromise false worship, false idols. We see child sacrifice. We see subjugation to Assyria, then to Babylon, then exile, all of those repercussions. And internally for Ahaz, at this really critical point in Judah's history, we see three areas. We see prideful self-sufficiency. We see selfish ambition. We see idolatrous self-hope. Life and death stakes for Ahaz as a king and for the nation that represented God's Messiah. Now, prior to making some of those bad decisions, God counseled Ahaz here in Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to read back from verse 10 because I think it's instructive for us to see the context here. God counsels Ahaz, and it says here in verse 10, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. That's false piety, by the way. And he said, Isaiah said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So in that context, these life sign and lifeline words of Isaiah to Ahaz remind us, the people of God, that we only find rescue and rest in the sign that is the Son, God with us. We only find rescue and rest in the sign of the Son. God with us. The narrative of Ahaz reveals aspects of our stories too, I suspect. Uh, in his grace, God holds out hope of rescue and rest to Ahaz again 
and to us, God tells him, ask a faith sign of Yahweh, your God, your covenant God, he tells him. God goes on, in fact, to describe high heights and low lows, a miraculous set of possibilities that Ahaz had the privilege to tap into to urge Ahaz toward faith. And God insists, though, and this is how God works, that he humbly express his need for God to provide messianic rescue and rest. He wanted him to humble himself, and yet Ahaz refuses repentance. He, repu- he refuses faith, and he clings himself instead to prideful self-sufficiency, to selfish ambition, to idolatrous self-hope. We, we must not refuse the sign of the sun, God says to Ahaz. In, in fact, he says that Ahaz is wearying God and men in the process. And that's an ironic reversal because throughout the Old Testament, God has a desire to provide rescue and rest for his people. And here we see an example of in the process of lack of humility that the people are wearying God, that they're proudly walking in the jungle of their own self-sufficiency. You are distant from him, house of David. You are distant from him, people of God, or potential people of God. Praise God that in his grace he persists with Ahaz and with us. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And here the you used is not the singular with Ahaz as was previously used. This is the plural in the Hebrew. In other words, God's saying, I'm looking through you, Ahaz, to my promise. I'm looking through you, Ahaz, to my commitment to the house of David. I'm looking through you, Ahaz, to the potential children of God, the potential people of God, the called out ones, and God persists toward his steadiness in that messianic line of faith that is our salvific reality. And so in grace, God gives Ahaz and us a miraculous sign of a son through a then unmarried young woman. He says, behold, look, the virgin shall conceive a son, God's messianic rescue through this Emmanuel, God with us, an enigmatic even figure at the time, but certainly we see and heard the fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the story of Ahaz and the foreshadowing of Emmanuel, God with us, we're too called, like Ahaz, to repent of our own self-sufficiencies. If you're not a believer here tonight, if you're not one who's put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Christ Uh, God wants us to humble ourselves before the Son, who is the sign of God, the one who paid the sacrifice for our sins. And we need to believe in God's declared gracious provision for salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who may be believers here tonight, we have the privilege, though, of setting aside our often self-sufficiency. And we have the privilege of continuing, as Brad mentioned this morning, to be transformed as a community of faith, a household of obedient sons and daughters and servant leader disciples of one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the gospel, God urges us away from self-sufficiency, selfish ambition, idolatrous self-hope, those misplaced hopes in ourselves in world systems around us, many ways we could describe that, for promotion and recognition and fulfillment. Even we, who are the people of God, 
can, can lose track of the hope that God offers to us. We can squander the riches of God's image displayed in us, right? We can compromise those riches and we can subjugate our souls to world influences that around us that does not promote godliness. We fail one another in discipleship in that kind of a way when we don't safeguard and protect our collective well-being of richness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we, the people of God, recognize that we have to be very intentional to grow in discernment together as a community? Otherwise, we will default and instinctively operate in prideful self-sufficiency, selfish ambition, idolatrous self-hope. We won't depend on the convergence of signs in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means that we continually need the Son through the Word to help us with serious and ongoing diagnostic work in our souls. We need uh, that community project that we can work on together. God uses our work in community to assist us to understand the character of Christ together. Okay, And as we understand, we see the character of Christ together, we can diagnose our tendencies in these areas. Those privileges of discipling interactions with one another. I suspect our needs do abound, I suspect. Mine do. My needs abound. How often do our hearts strain away from grace toward strategies for image management Uh, How we focus our thoughts, our emotions, our actions toward ourselves inwardly in justification of ourselves. How we think about what does so-and-so think and how can I impress him or her or how can I maneuver my way into this or that toward increasing our public respectability as a primary goal, toward subtle self-promotion in conversation in interpersonal response, in resentful reactions to people or circumstances that defy and oppose our control efforts. We need prayer, the word, the community of faith um, to challenge us, to see the sign that God has given us in the Son, to, to promote the sign worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ so that he will rescue us and give us rest from what the scriptures talk about as maniacal, irrational strivings of our own. So we have a character here, Ahaz, who failed to follow the signs toward their convergence in Messiah hope. The only safe haven for us that meaningfully integrates all aspects of our lives, that make sense of our individual journeys, our individual pathways towards signs, in signs, and also makes sense of our corporate identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, otherwise, we are trapped and lost in a very lonely place of self-deception, in a frenetic, fear-based panic in the jungle that can be the human soul. And that puts us in a very difficult place of self-inflicting with wounds, right? Distractions, illegitimate pain reducers that 
reduce our ability, isolate us from prayer, from the Word of God, from the community of faith. And so just as an encouragement to you tonight in closing, to track the Lord's signs, we must behold the Lord's Son. Emmanuel, God with us. Rescue and rest from that self-sufficiency, from the selfish ambition, from self-hope that becomes idolatrous for us. Jesus Christ exists, I trust, as our sufficiency, as our ambition, as our hope. Which will you choose tonight? In this passage and, and in this season, we're reminded that we only find rescue and rest in the sign that is the Son, God with us. Let's pray together briefly. Father, we're grateful for your sufficiency. I'm grateful for the privilege of standing here and sharing your word as we think about uh, the person of Christ, the sign of Christ, the one that you predicted from the very beginning of time. All the way back into Genesis, we see evidences of, of his person and the promise that he represents for us. And I pray that we, the people of God, will pursue him as our sufficiency, as our ambition, as our hope, and that he will rescue and restore us as a community of faith toward that obedient sonship and that service that you desire from us. We pray these things in his name. Amen.